0: At one point in John Steinbeck's classic novel, The Grapes of Wrath, the character of Ma Joad makes an interesting point. Her impoverished family had recently received some generous help from some folks who frankly weren't not much better off than the Joad family. And this leads Ma Joad to observe that if ever you need help, don't go to rich folks, they won't give you anything. Go to the poor. That's where you'll get help. Now, here's something we're familiar with. The image of the stingy miser whether it's Ebenezer Scrooge or some other figure, the wealthy are sometimes not near as generous as those less well-off. Well, generosity is an important virtue in the Bible too. And today on Groundwork, we're gonna ponder why. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney.
0: And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is episode four of six. In a series on some of the virtues extolled in the New Testament, we're focusing on virtues that are not part of the nine fruit of the Spirit, not part of that triplet of um, faith, hope, and love. Uh, But these are other ones. We've covered already compassion, humility, gratitude. Still to come are programs on truthfulness and forgiveness. But this fourth program, generosity. Compassion, being
1: able to suffer with someone who is suffering, not more known as empathy and mercy, humility, thinking not of yourself higher than you ought to be, but looking at yourself under the authority of Christ and embodying that. And in gratitude, also giving God thanks and praise for everything you are and everything you have, because every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we're looking forward to jumping into definition of generosity today.
0: Yeah. Look, good common sense definition. Uh, So uh, what's the opposite of a generous person? A stingy person. The opposite of generosity is stinginess. But being generous means a number of things. It means not spending a lot of time calculating how little you can get away with, but handing stuff out freely without the fear that you're overdoing it, right? Being generous is not tipping your restaurant server precisely 15%, but start there and then go up over the top a little bit. Generous people round numbers up, not down. The generous do not aim ever and only to do the minimum, but they like to tilt toward the maximum.
1: And they do it in a posture that does not say, hey, look at what I have done. Mm. They do it in a way that is kind of secretive, kind of like, well, don't let anybody know this happened. This is between me and you. And the idea is to be a person who freely gives.
0: You're saying that just now made me jump back two programs in this series to humility. Uh, we're generous in humble ways. It's a humble generosity, not a look-at-me generosity. Mm-hmm. It's a humble generosity. And again, we tilt toward the maximum. A generous cook, for instance, doesn't make barely enough food to cover the basics. In fact, a friend of mine mentioned that he had an aunt who always prepared too little food. And then when the meal was over, she'd always be so happy that there, you know, there were no leftovers. Oh, I made just enough again, she'd say. But all of the diners around her table ended up stopping at McDonald's on the way home because they were still starving to death. I mean, <laughs> you never got enough to eat at her house. Uh, on the other extreme, though, uh, I can remember a woman, she was actually the uh, the grandmother of some of my cousins, and she loved doling out lots of food. I mean, she asked you if you want a scoop of ice cream with the apple pie. If you said no, you got one scoop. She said, yeah, you take a scoop, you got two. And it went on and on and on like, that she loved doing it
1: actually in my extended family that's how they do meals the measurement of my eyes was Hmm. off when I first got married because it was just me and my wife and I'm she's like why are you making all this food it's because I was raised in a family where Not that everything was abundant, but they had portions that were larger because her heart was like, I can't give you everything, but I can give you this meal and I can give you a full belly. And her heart was one of generosity. And that's the kind of family I grew up in.
0: And, you know, we often think of people like that. Generous people are joyful people. And indeed, you know, if you think of uh, generous people, you know, Daryl, they are cheerful. Uh, They kind of have a zest for life and they share that zest and that joy with others. Jesus had that. I mean, all the feeding miracles in the Gospels show that.
1: Well, we got one here in Mark chapter 6. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But then he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would be more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when he found out, they said five and two fish.
0: So at this point, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily the disciples were being stingy. But neither were they feeling very generous. In fact, they're all about doing calculations here. They calculate how much money it would take to buy food for such a big crowd. And they conclude, yeah, we don't want to do that. Send them away. You know. Uh, then they calculate what they've got. Five loaves, two fish, not enough. Calculation, calculation, calculation. Let's do the minimum here, Jesus. Get rid of them. Jesus had other ideas. The story continues. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So Jesus overshot a little. (laughs) Yeah, he
1: did. I was thinking about how you were saying the disciples were calculating If we think about that, I think that calculating life can be an exhausting one because you're always worried about if we're going to have enough. Mm -hmm. This whole scarcity mentality is challenging when we serve a God who is abundant. And in this passage, he shows that he is abundant by giving them 12 baskets left over of food, showing that blessings are plentiful from God. They are.
0: And it brought joy. Um, in fact, we miss it in the English translation, but when Mark 6 twice says that they, they sat down in groups, the Greek word there that the Mark used was symposia, and a symposia was a party with lots of food and wine and laughter and joy, so Jesus' generosity led to a joyful party on those Feeding Miracles. But, you know, Darryl, those all those feeding stories, they're symbolic of the Lord's Supper, but really the whole of our salvation. I mean, what does it mean that we're saved by grace alone? It means our God in Christ is generous.
1: And, in fact, Paul picks that up in the book of Titus when he talks about the generosity of Christ. He says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life.
0: We're saved by grace. Paul says in Ephesians 2, we're saved also by the kindness of God. And he says that here too in Titus 3. But the kindness that disposes God to be gracious to us despite our sins, it's all served up to us because, as Paul wrote to Titus, God's generous. He he generously pours out the Holy Spirit that gives us rebirth and renewal. God is generous. Jesus is generous. Calls us to be generous as well. As we saw in Mark 6, God doesn't dole out the Holy Spirit with an eyedropper. (laughs) Jesus didn't dole out the bread and the fish with an eyedropper doing just the minimum to, you know, keep people from starving. He, he went over the top. He overshot. And he created a meal with abundant leftovers. And that's how God is. He is generous when he pours out his spirit on us. But we got more to say on generosity, and we're going to say it in just a minute. So stay tuned. We're
1: glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork
0: possible.
1: I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork.
0: We just said that we're saved by grace, but we're also saved by the generosity of God. And, Daryl, all throughout the Bible, our being generous is something that God looks for in God's people. Uh, We're created in the image of God, so we're always looking for ways to be God-like in our own generous living.
1: So generosity calls us to go above and beyond the call of duty, and if we do that, we're taking the page from our Father, because in Ephesians two it says God who was rich in mercy, mm-hmm. he gave it to us when we were still sinners, and that is the actual grace that we have been saved by. So the idea that it goes above and beyond is actually the character of God that we're supposed to display.
0: And we get that already in the in the Old Testament, actually. So let's listen to Psalm thirty seven. The wicked borrow and do not repay but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely, and their children will be a blessing. And then there are also
1: passages in Proverbs from chapter 11 and chapter 22 that say the desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. One person gives freely. There it is again yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly becomes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. So the character of the generosity of the person that they're talking about in scripture, is one that has an open hand because, I mean, if you think about it, a closed hand can't do anything because it's so busy holding mm-hmm. on to something. Right. Right. It can't transfer things. It can't give things. It can't receive more things. And so if you're a generous person, you will help the people and be a blessing to the people around you, which actually harkens back to. Uh, chapter 12 of Genesis, where Abraham is told he will be a blessing.
0: Mm, right? And both uh, the psalm passages from Psalm 37, we just looked at, and those two from Proverbs 11 and Proverbs 22, they say that, you know, there's a paradox, there's an unexpected outcome here. People who give away more end up having more than the stingy. Yeah. I mean, how's that go? right? The more you give, the more you get. It's kind of a divine switcheroo, kind of a reverse logic. Uh, those who, who give generously receive more, and they don't just do it for that though, right? I mean, if, if you give so that you'll get more, well, then you're not really being generous. You're being self-serving. So true generosity just comes from the heart. And if at the end of the day, it turns out that God blesses you even more than the stingy person, well, that's a bonus. I think
1: it can be said that good, generous behavior will beget generous behavior. Mm. So if I am being generous to some person, they may want to pay it forward to someone else. Right. Even if I don't get that back, that's fine. But the idea is that we're spreading good around, like Acts 10, 38 tells us to do, go around doing good as Jesus did. So the idea is to be generous and live that lifestyle of generosity. And you'll see what God can do with the whole community of folks when you do that.
0: like that pay it forward idea. I mean, I've, I've had, it, I don't know if you've had it, I've I've had it a time or two, and I'm going through the drive-through window for Starbucks to get some coffee in the morning. And then I pull up, and I've got my credit card or my money. And the person says, the person in the car ahead of you bought your coffee Love for you. Love that. Right? Well, the first time that happened to me, it's like, well, I want to do that for somebody someday. It won't be that person. but And, and then I did it. And then you just drive away and just imagine the smile you leave behind. It, it, it creates good momentum. Speaking of good momentum, I think it was interesting in those Psalms and Proverbs passages to note, too, that generous people – birth generous children. Their children will be a blessing, right? So we know, uh, like in Jeremiah 31, there's that famous passage of the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on the edge, right? So the, the father eats a sour grape and the kids face puckers, bad generational momentum, but there's good generational momentum too. That is a good thing. The generosity of one generation inspires the next but daryl there's also uh, passages that say this is just simply the right way to live and one of them is in second corinthians 9.
1: picking up verse 6 it says remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously each of you give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And then he goes on. Now we're in verse 12. The service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everything else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Wow, what a lot in these uh, verses here, Daryl. So much stuff going on. Echoes of Proverbs and Psalms. When you sow generously, you'll reap generously. It's like a law of spiritual physics. The more you give, somehow the more you you get. But I also like the connection Paul makes there, Daryl, that when we're generous, other people find more reasons to praise God.
1: Yeah. And when you're a cheerful giver, I love that word cheerful mm. it's in the Greek is where we get our word hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so people are really smiling. You can see the smiles on their faces when they're giving. And it's not because they're going to get something back. It's because they enjoy mm. the intrinsic value of being a blessing. And mm. that is contagious. I would hope that that would be more contagious than any pandemic that we ever have, mm-hmm. that we would actually be generous and That would beget more generosity in our world. It actually is the principle too from Galatians 6 where you will reap what you sow is what Mm -hmm. he says. So if you sow generosity, you will reap generosity around you.
0: I like the image of a contagion, or almost like a pandemic, a pandemic of generosity. It just keeps spreading around and, and and leading to more things. The more we give generously, the more people praise God for us, the more they praise God for the grace he's given us, the more their, Paul says, their hearts will go out to you, right? The whole passage there of 2 Corinthians 9, it just kind of fizzes and bubbles over with God's generosity feeding our generosity, and that in turn makes the people around us happier, hilarious, and, and that's such a strong witness to the gospel that people praise God. It's just a a classic case of good momentum all over the place.
1: And it's really a beautiful thing to see. But in just a moment, as we close out this program, we will wonder practically how we can nurture this in our everyday lives. So stay tuned.
0: What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit familyfire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation of our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Daryl, let's begin this final part of this program on Christ-like, God-like generosity with this passage from 1 Timothy 6. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share." In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life.
1: Paul is not just saying to be generous with money, with cash or with their resources, but he's saying to be rich in good deeds. Mm. I love that part of the scripture, Scott.
0: Yep. Share your money, of course. Share your material things, of course. But far better, share your very selves and do it generously. You know, Be generous with yourself. Exude goodness in ways that have nothing to do with your bank account, really. Right? And as, as we wonder in closing here how all of us, regardless of how much money or possessions we have, how, how all of us could be more generous, I think it's a good place to start. Generosity is not just about giving away money or giving to charity or putting some money in the offering plate at church. I mean, it's about all of that too, but it's more.
1: I'm so glad that you said it's not about money and offering plate. I think some people simply resolve that we wrote a check and that's good and, and that is good, but actually it would be more valuable if you got involved, if you were able to go on the mission trip or if you were able to help the neighbor, if you were able to do some practical things that actually time is worth more than money. If you want to spend time helping people, I think that God would be honored by that as well.
0: I remember the deacons at my church used to talk about tithing, and they tithed time, talent, and treasure. Treasure last, time and talent. Uh, be present, lend a hand, as you said, volunteer, listen to those who are in pain, sit quietly with the person who's going through a, a tough season, and and do it without looking at your watch every few minutes, wondering when you can get up and leave and go do something else. You know, we we give the gift of our very selves, and Daryl, that that gift of time, giving generously of our time. That's a real challenge in a hyper busy society like the US.
1: I've heard so many times, so many people say time is money. Hmm. But if they were to trade, that and understand that, okay, if I said to you, I'll give you a million dollars, but then I say, you have to die tomorrow. You're going to understand that time is infinitely more valuable than mm-hmm. money. And so what I want people to understand is that if we spend time, that is the greatest gift because we can't get it back. So spending time with people and letting them know that they are worth your time, mm-hmm. that is the most valuable gift you can give. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave the ministry of presence. I think you said that once before yeah. in a different
0: episode. Yeah. And you know, everybody's in a hurry. These days, you know we we you know put our coffee into the microwave, put 45 seconds on it, and we sit there tapping our toes. Come on, hurry up, microwave, eat my coffee. Uh, we erupt in anger at the pokey driver in the car ahead of us, even though probably he's just gonna make us 30 seconds later to something, <laughs> right. I mean, who cares? but we're, we're in a hurry. So generosity, I think, means being willing to slow down take it easy, give our time to somebody who needs us, make time to visit the lonely person, make time to run up to the hospital, go to the funeral home, or attend the funeral. You know, it's interesting, Daryl. somebody noted to me that back in the day, when somebody in the church died, basically the whole church came to the funeral. How often do you see that now, right? right. People bombing in and out of the funeral home. There I saw them. But boy, an hour and a half, two hours to go to a funeral, I don't have the time. And so funerals get sparsely attended. But maybe the generous need to carve out the time.
1: It's a beautiful thing that you're connecting time with generosity. So I can give the gift of spending time with people to show them that they matter to me. And that is an expression of generosity. Paul said that we not only gave you the gospel, but we gave you our lives as well. So he was really interested in making sure they knew that they were worth the time. And they were. he was displaying the love that Christ had told him to display to these people around him, just being a blessing.
0: You know, we can also be generous with our time, but also just be generous with our kind words. And it's interesting, Daryl, that these virtues that we're covering in this six-part Groundwork series, they kind of overlap a little bit. So this is going to be, I think, the third time in four programs where we're going to say generosity is generous with our words in how we treat the checkout clerk in the grocery checkout line. They wear a name ID badge for a reason. Use it. Make eye contact with them. Thank them as they hand you the receipt. Same with servers at restaurants or flight attendants on airplanes, appliance people who come to fix the fridge. Generous people are kind people who treat folks like that with respect.
1: I think one of the things that, I've been doing is I like to study Names and if I see someone with a name Badge on and I know I say do you know what your Name means mm-hmm. and I tell them what their Name means and I say hey That's my gift to you um, live out your Name <laughs> you know if your name is Nick And it means victorious we'll live a victorious Life we we'll pray that God will give you victory um, Just being able to speak life to People is just some gratitude Gift that I could give to them hopefully it makes Their day and I'm just trying to be a blessing So you know if you were able to use That in your life or your, you know there may be things that you do to make you feel like I just want to be a blessing to folks. And that's the essence of generosity.
0: And don't be surprised when you do that if people's faces light up. Because, you know, you talk to people in the service industry, Daryl, clerks and, and and the like, and waiters and restaurant servers, they'll tell you how often they get treated rudely. Yeah, I used to work retail, I know. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and people won't even make eye contact with them, certainly don't bother to look at their name or use their name or thank them. So, you know, I, I remember uh, when I did it one time at the grocery store, the, the person who bagged up my groceries. I said, thanks, Andrea. And she was like, wow, you used my name. People never do that. It's like, why not? It's right on your name badge. But you know, not to do that and to be rude is every bit as being stingy as people who uh, won't give a, a dime away either. And also, Daryl, uh, lastly, don't want to get ahead of ourselves. The last virtue we're going to look at in this series is forgiveness. But We already noted that we have been forgiven by God because of his generous kindness that disposes God toward grace toward us, and we should be generous in that sense too. We all have people who have wronged us. Generous people are forgiving people. We're supposed to be chips off the divine block and bearing the image of our generous God, and we can do that by dealing graciously with each other.
1: And I think that it's very clear that if we don't know how to be generous, we can literally ask God. In James 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So if you want to be generous and you don't know how to be generous, you can say, God, give me your wisdom on how to be generous in a way that pleases you, that honors your name and serves the people you called me to serve. And we can do that, and he will help us to be more generous. Thanks be to God.
0: Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Join us again next time as we learn about the Christ-like virtue of truthfulness. Connect with us at groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you and say what you maybe would like to hear discussed next on Groundwork.
1: Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.